Okay, let's do this. Let's go. My son is saying that about everything. Let's go. And what better way to start season five of Everything's Relative? Can you believe it is season five? Uh, I can't. I can't believe you've stuck with me all this time, and I am so grateful that you're here. Listeners, this is a podcast about DNA surprises, DNA discoveries, shocking results, and all the things that happen when you discover, for one reason or another, at least one of your parents isn't biologically related to you. This is a podcast about family secrets. It's about identity. It's about shame. It's about sex. It's about women's rights. It's about religious doctrine. It is about so much that I'm blowing my mind right now with all the exciting subjects we cover here. I'm Eve Sturgis, the host. I experienced my own DNA surprise a few years ago, and I was like, what is happening? And then I found out that this kind of thing is barely unique at all. It's happening all the time, especially because of these new mail-in, direct-to-consumer DNA tests. You know them. You love them. Their advertising is obnoxious. They are 23andMe and Ancestry.com. And there's like a bunch of other ones like GEDmatch and Living DNA and Family Tree DNA. Anyway, they're all more or less the same, but there are some differences between them. That's not something we really explore here. Hey, side note. So when I was sketching this episode out today, like what I wanted to say, I sort of give myself notes. Um, So I blanked on the names of the companies. So I did this quick Google search and I got to a website that was like the seven best DNA testing companies. And Ancestry was number one at the top of the list. But before I could really do like much more with the site and look around, this huge pop-up ad interrupted me with a coupon for Ancestry. So... They are the main advertisers on this website, which lists them as the number one DNA company. I thought that was weird. But anyway, so everyone is doing these tests, like millions of people, and all the secrets are coming out. People were adopted. Moms were stepping out on their husbands. People were donor conceived. People were switched to birth. People were raised by their grandparents. If you can imagine it, I assure you, it has happened. And all the things you can't imagine have happened too. These people are called NPEs, DCPs, LDAs, MPEs. And if you hang around long enough, you'll learn what all of these acronyms stand for. So that's what we do here. We talk about it. Welcome. I hope you're here to listen, to learn, to laugh, to feel less alone, to think about things in a new way. And I hope you're in it for the long haul because this is season five and it's going to be a good one, baby. I have to be honest with you. I'm always honest with you, but I have to say that my hiatus this past holiday season was a much needed break and it was a little bit hard to get back in the saddle again. And I started to think about season five being my last season. Making a podcast is really hard. So... So I'm thinking about, I've been thinking about this for a couple months and I'm talking it out with my therapist the other day. Yes, therapists have therapists. And I'm explaining all the reasons that it's really hard and it drains my resources. And she goes, get this, do you have to put out episodes every week? And I'm like, yes, of course, that's what people expect. But then she goes, but do you have to? And then I remembered 
that here at Everything's Relative, I am my own boss. There is no corporate entity demanding weekly output. I'm not even with a network. I can do whatever I want. Woo! What a relief. So listen, I'm going to try to have a new episode out every week for season five, but I'm not making any promises. That's all I'm saying. I was reminded that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Let that be a lesson for all of us in life. That said, I do have some big goals this next year. I hope I can reach them, including more episodes than ever, more book club Zoom parties, and more connection all around. Um, I really hope I get to connect with you, listener, whatever that means. Thank you so much for being here with me. It's always hard to know what kind of episode to start the season with. You know, do I start off with like a really easy story, just like regular MPE? Or do I dive in with a real hook episode? Like I try and get someone famous. Um, Our first guest this season isn't famous, but it isn't a regular NPE story either. Nick and I corresponded for a while before I could get him on the air. In fact, he didn't even contact me. His wife did. Uh, And so I was imagining this like very, very shy guy, extremely introverted. He just likes to be alone with his sketchbook. And I mentioned a sketchbook because what his wife was actually emailing me was about Nick's graphic novella. It's, it's like more than a comic book, but it's less than a novel. So graphic novella is what I've come up with. It's called Someone to Watch Over Me. And I don't think anyone in our community won't understand how special it is to have an NPE story in illustrated form. So as soon as his wife emailed me, I ordered it right away. And then I read it and I emailed Nick's wife and demanded an episode with Nick. Uh, I didn't really demand, but I did ask. And Nick said he needed to think about it. And I said, okay, you could think about it. Uh, But like so many of us, Nick was worried about his story and how it might affect his mom. uh, Or more importantly, how it would affect his relationship with his mom. So I gave him some time. Uh, I gave him some options, including anonymity. Although I did mention that it would be a shame not to share this really cool book with our community. And I didn't see how I could do that without using his name. Uh, so anyway, after a few more messages back and forth, Nick agreed to come on and I braced myself for this very young, skinny, shaggy illustrator kid to like shuffle in with untied sneakers and messy hair. And that's not what Nick is like at all. I couldn't have been more wrong. This guy isn't shaggy. He may be introverted, but he wasn't shy. He teaches writing classes at Cal State Monterey. He has a family and a personality, and we had a wonderful time. And he has an NPE story. It was almost too much for me to handle. I'll just roll the tape now, let you experience it yourself. So are we going to talk about your comic book or not? If you want to, yeah. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't mind. I, I'm, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that is it. That's right. Yeah. 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 I recognize that. Do you remember this? Okay. I do. I do remember that. Cool. Cool. And, and so I can say your name. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Well, I'm like with that comic. I mean, I could just start with that. Like when I, the last story is like the NPE story in it. And it, um, I intentionally left out like my mom and my dad and like that whole Mm -hmm. where, you know, like in the story, it says, you know, I got this pile of love letters from my biological father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My mom gave me those, but I don't say that in the story. (laughs) There's all these things. It felt weird to like draw her and put her in there and I didn't want to hurt her. And so I, Hmm. 
left all that out, but leaving all that stuff out also made me realize like, that's actually the story is me and her, you know? Well, I mean, that's sort of like the greater, a greater mm -hmm. testimony to the complexity of these situations yeah, is that yeah. in as much as it is just your story and right. it's possible to explain it or tell it as just your own experience, yeah. you're simultaneously the void like is its yeah. own story as well because in that void is where the relationship is between you and your mom and um, where i'm at now with all this is like that's really what it's all about like for so long it was you know i was focused on like who's my biological father who is this person and that's what i thought the story was going to be and you know listening to your podcast has helped me realize that there's a lot of other people who discover this too is like that's I mean, yes, that is part of the story, but the bigger story and the thing that's more, even more surprising, well, I don't know, more surprising, but it is that I didn't expect was this uncovers something about my mother and my relationship with my mother that I guess has always been there, but I just didn't understand it to this extent. And like, oh, and the more I go with this, the more I see that, that's what I'm seeing is that dysfunctionality, <laughs> right? Totally. Like, oh, that's the actual story now. Like, yeah oh that resonates with me like so yeah. strongly um that and it's, i love my mother and i care about yeah, my mother but totally it's like oh okay mm -hmm. there's somewhere we can't go now there's something we can't talk about for sure right so, yeah and which is so hard um yeah. since there was something you weren't talking about the whole time yeah yeah my story is <laughs> different because it's i have a very ex covers a span of years mm -hmm. but you were raised by a man you thought was your dad so when i was a kid I was an only child. My parents had adopted since then, but when I was growing up, I was an only child. Um, and this just helps for some context. Both my parents, so yeah, my mom and my dad, as I was growing up, both of them are only children. So I had no brothers and sisters, but I also had no cousins, no aunts or uncles. Very isolated. Yeah, very. And then both my grandmothers, um, you know, their husbands died long before I was born, but when my parents were teenagers, actually. So I had, you know, I had my mom, my dad, and my two grandmothers, and that was like my entire family growing up. You know, and I had a, like, when I think back on my childhood, I, I had a lot of fun. I was fine being on my own, but I do, as an adult now, see, I, I was on my own all the time. <laughs> right. and, we, and, and also the family dynamic, my parents separated when I was 12, but um, when we were all home together, we were all just in our own rooms doing our own thing because we were the doing the only child thing. Because you just said they were only children too. So now yeah. everybody is in this like lifestyle of solitude. Right, exactly. No, that's a good way to put it, lifestyle of solitude. And my dad would have a series of hobbies, like he would build a deck or he'd be into motorcycles or he'd be in you know, cameras. My mom just always sewed, you know, that was her thing. And then I would play with my toys and then I got into writing and drawing and that kind of thing. So yeah, not much family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the weird thing I was thinking about too is my mom and my dad had cousins and aunts and uncles and I still have never met any of them. Oh, wow. Right. And and I was in some ways they ran away from their small towns in Iowa and like never looked back. That's part mm -hmm. of it. But I was also thinking that it's if I go back in my family history, like on my mom's side, like I know I, I don't want to get too far afield, but they ran away from Scotland. He when he was 19, he came over from Scotland. So it's like we have a family history of running away from the rest of our family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just never met all these other people. Um, so and also my dad was like I said, my dad was in the Air Force. So he um, so we also moved around. Right. So every two to four years, I was in a new house during my childhood. And so, yeah, I didn't have a big family, but I also don't, I don't, didn't have a hometown. I didn't have a community I was growing up in. And I wasn't, I wasn't close to my dad 
at all. So this is the dad I grew up with. Like one time, I must have been five. We were living in Las Vegas at the time. He was stationed in Turkey for 18 months. So, you know, a year and a mm -hmm. half. Wow. And I didn't miss him, you know, when mm. he was gone. And when my parents separated and I, you know, there wasn't any joint custody or anything. I just lived with my mom and I didn't, that didn't bug me. I didn't miss not seeing my dad. And I, mm -hmm. I had a therapist when she was like, yeah, I don't think you had an emotional bonding with your dad. <laughs> right? Yeah, that kind of explain, you know, and why is it because he knew about the biological father or is it just my dad's personality? I mean, that's kind of mm -hmm. um, both probably, but yeah, um, probably both. And we have a good relationship. I mean, now working relationship, but definitely. So, I mean, I, again, that just sets up the context of what I was coming out of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was close to my mom. So again, this is why it's kind of right. a story about hers. I, it was just me and her basically, you know. All right. So yeah, I'm 17 years old. So my parents have separated. I have a stepfather at this time too. He was a good guy, but anyway, yeah. I'm in my room. I think it's the summer after my junior year of high school and my mom just walks into my bedroom and she says, you know, your dad's not your dad, don't you? And that was- Oh. Uh... <laughs> just out of the blue, no lead in, no context. Just, you know, your dad's not your dad. Boom. And I, yeah. And I laughed. <laughs> I just, yeah, and I think it's shock partly, but, mm -hmm. um, but she was not a, you know, I, she probably rehearsed this in her mind for years or something, but um, it was not the reaction she was expecting. I mean, I love the idea of that not being what you expected, but then also that she right. planned, she planned, I'll just walk in and I'll just say it. It's kind of, this kind of gets to my mom's personality. She's mm -hmm. like talking about difficult things. She just has to rah, put it all out there and then run away. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of her, her method. But I also remember thinking like, I felt like I was in a bad 19th century novel. Like I just felt like, oh, your father is not your father. And like, oh, I'm going to be disinherited. It just seemed melodramatic. Yeah. So I just remember thinking that, you know, whatever, I was 17 or whatever, just like, who wrote this dialogue? This is weird. Okay, so she says that and I laugh. And then she says, well, because you took AP biology, we thought you had figured it out. And so in my junior year of high school, I took advanced placement biology. And so she just figured since I, and I had done well, right? Mm -hmm. So she figured I must've mm -hmm. just figured it out because of taking AP bio. Totally. And I was like, this is the 1980s. We didn't run gene tests on ourselves, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, in the public mm -hmm. high school. Yeah. The only thing you would have done is the eye color thing. Yeah. So what we, yeah. So there was my, I guess, whenever I took regular biology, that did come up, right? we were learning about genes and recessive and dominant mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. and i have brown eyes so my mom has blue eyes and so does my dad yeah me too and then also there was this thing that we learned that you know if you clasp your hands together like one thumb comes out on top <sighs> and apparently if i'm remembering this right like if your left thumb's on top that's dominant and so i asked my mom her right thumb was on top which is recessive uh -huh. so i so I had to have called, I wasn't living with my dad, so I had to have called him on the phone. I'm trying to remember. And I asked him and he, his right thumb came out, which is also recessive. So two sets of recessives. Yeah. But you know, at this time, this was back, you know, before I was 17. So this is like my freshman or something. So I'm like 14, 15. So in my little teenage mind, my thought process was like, oh, I'm a mutant. I'm like this cool, weird. That's what I thought. Really? Like, I, I mean, I don't think I thought, I, 
that a mutant is more specific but yeah like yeah. oh like i'm just really i'm an anomaly like i'm just different it's another yeah. another way that i'm different and don't fit in and i'm exactly. un unexplainable like right and for me well i was reading at that time the comics i was reading i was reading x-men comics yeah no I, so i thought oh yeah yeah i'm special you have I'm the different. x totally yeah but i did ask my biology biology teacher like okay mm -hmm. how could this happen and I, you know, I don't know what he thought, but he, but what he said was, it's high school. The biology we're teaching is, you know, just pretty straightforward. Biology is a lot more complicated than what we're teaching. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Aww. And then he also said, like biology, you know, this was again the late mid to late eighties, he, and he's like, you know, we're still learning a lot. There's a lot we don't know, and so you know, this is an expanding field, and so yeah, I mean, so weird things like this could happen. Right? Yeah. That good for him. I I yeah. I uh, I talked about it on an episode about wondering wondering about my own biology teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. DeShazer. And he wrote me a note, actually. He sent me an email. Oh, nice. Um, and he 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 like also I had I said in the in the episode something along the lines of like, I'm dying to know if in the like 25 years of teaching, if every if he was all this yeah. time like record knowing that all yeah. these these mpes were popping up and he he did this he didn't answer the question like okay. he sent me yeah. this note that was this very like nice work around of that yeah of that issue yeah i don't know about my i can't remember this guy's name now i remember the bio the ap bio teacher's name but this guy this was regular bio but he didn't seem like I don't know. I mean, I, I, I probably couldn't have read him very well anyway, but it didn't seem like he was suspecting anything, but, mm -hmm. but I don't know. But as a teacher, I mean, you know, you hear things from your students, you're like, yeah, maybe you should talk to your parents. Kind of, you know, <laughs> totally. Not about NP stuff, but about other right. stuff. And it's like, yeah. I'm not qualified to answer this. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> talk so many yeah, I'm sure all sorts of things come across your desk. So that did happen. So just going back, like to, to give my mom credit, I mean, that did happen. But the, again, the idea that I somehow figured it out in AP bio was, so yeah so that's all i remember from that conversation really i know she must have told me so i learned about my biology so i have a biologic father i learned that my dad was stationed in japan so she was still married to my dad and all this happened but they, he was stationed in japan in the early late 60s early 70s and so she met this guy and they were both at the she was teaching at a college she was teaching english uh and he i, I don't know if he was a student there but my biologic father was there too and that's how they met so i knew that I knew he was from Florida. I she gave me his name, but she said he had this other name and he wasn't sure what it was. Like and she couldn't tell if it was her because he had a stepfather and a father. So she didn't know if this other name was the stepfather's name or the his his real father's name, right? So there's this and this becomes meaningful later. Question. Yeah. Just yeah. to just to clarify. Sure. She she met your birth certificate dad that she was married to in japan or she met oh your... no she had already she was already married to him already married to him yeah was in japan right met your biological father right yeah through this school right no right okay yeah, the... yeah he my dad was you know he was this was during the last days of vietnam he was in the mm -hmm. air force right so he was gone and i don't know if my parents thought they had an open relationship or whatever but i know my dad had a lot of other relationships my mm -hmm. birth certificate that um anyway that's a whole other story <laughs> but yeah so i don't so yeah she met my biological father at this school um yeah and i knew so i knew his name i knew he was kind of into poetry or something 
Oh, the other thing is she said that he told her that he was part Seminole, so part Native American. Right. So the Seminole are in Florida. So I had this new identity. It's like, maybe I'm part Native American, part Seminole. Yeah. You are an indigenous people. Yeah. For the longest time, like on forums, I would, I would, you know, would say race, I would check other, you know, and I did that for until for a while when I realized, you know, I was never raised in it. Why am I checking that box? But yeah, anyway, so I gave up doing that after a while, but um, probably throughout my whole twenties, I would check the other box. So that's what I knew. And then she said, oh, I've got a picture of him somewhere. I'll, I'll find one for you. And in some ways, that's the way it's always been. It stopped right there. That was like, you know, I'm, I'm almost 50 and it's still, that's kind of as far as that went. Do you remember how you felt in your bedroom when she, that, I mean, when I'm that conversation was shocked. happening? Yeah. yeah. I, what's funny is, you know, when, thinking back on this, I don't ever remember being angry about any of this until much later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I was mostly just shocked and just like, okay. Um, and just trying to take it all in, like, what does this mean, you know? And I just also felt like it's like telling a fantasy story too. It's like, you know, this is the dad, you know, even though I wasn't close to my dad, he's the dad who was there, just like practical things. He was the one who was there. He's the one I grew up with. He's the one who I have a relationship with. It's like, this is my dad, you know, this biological father. I mean, I don't even know who this guy is. And so I kind of felt like it's just a story. I mean, I know it means something, but. It is kind of unreal. Like, yeah. sure, these are a bunch of words coming at you that you understand, but without like meaning. Yeah. It, I, like I, I really, yeah, I relate to that. I think a lot of people would. Yeah. Like, and you don't, and I didn't have anything tangible, right? Like, so yeah. I mean, obviously I didn't have him, but I didn't have any pictures or anything. Like it was just what my mom just said in that one moment. That's all the information I had. And it wasn't a lot, right? It was just, you know, I know his name and, and you know, a little bit about where he's from. And that's kind of it. Just out of curiosity, did she say later or did you ever or explain at the time uh, what what motivated her to tell you right then? See, this is the conversation I want to have with her, but I don't Mm -hmm. know. Yeah, I don't know if she can, but I'm trying to work myself up to because I know this is one of the things I want to I want answers to these questions, but I know it's probably going to be disappointing, but disappointing in the sense that she won't answer. Right. Yeah, that's way I just have to emotionally prepare myself like I really want to know, but it's not. Yeah. So all the way along here, I've asked her things and then like had to be disappointed again. Right. So it's kind of a it's a pattern. Hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So that, that was how I was told. So this is like the first MPE event. I'm 17. And then I go off to college and I remember telling people when I went off to college, like I have three fathers. I have a and I made a joke. It's the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost. Like mm-hmm. I've got the father I grew up with. There's my stepfather who's much younger than my mother. So I called him the son anyway. And then there's <laughs> my, um, yeah, he's my, they're still married, but he's a lot mm-hmm. younger than my mother. Yeah. Um, Go mom. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Works. And now, you know, she's getting old. She just turned 80. So he's, yeah, he's got to take care of an 80. Yeah. But anyway, she knew, she knew what she was doing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> she's smart. She planned. Yeah. And then, yeah. So, and then there was my biological father and it, it felt kind of, it did feel good. I remember that just to like say, just to be honest when I was meeting people, just saying that. And I'm not like I talked about it all the time, but <laughs> I love know, the idea of being like, Hey, what's up? People. Where are you from? I got three tests. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just oh, like, oh, oh nice. Thanks. Yeah. That guy in the dorms. He's kind of weird. He introduces yeah. himself. Yeah. That's all he talks about. Huh. 
but but it did again like owning the narrative a little bit is is powerful even though it was just that that's all i knew right <laughs> so. yeah but that is so powerful i mean people are are coming up with with data that proves that owning the narrative can yeah. be a really healing and empowering um experience yeah uh through through all sorts of events yeah so that makes sense to me you didn't yeah. you didn't know you were doing that but no but yeah. it did i just remember feeling like okay no i can say this you know this was and again i wasn't mad about the secret but again that it was a secret and i'm not going to have it be a secret i'm just going to say it so my senior year of college all of a sudden in the mail and i don't think you know my mom told me she was going to do this but i got this package in the mail and i open it up and there's a manila envelope and it's all typewritten like that old typewriter paper and it's all poems and love letters that my biological father had given to my mother. Wow, for love letters to her? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And so she just gave this to me, so she found it. Yeah, it, it gets, it's a little weird. I'm just dying to know your mom. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just like. She was a good looking woman, she was smart. Yeah. You know, she, and like just the choices <laughs> that she makes uh, are fascinating, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. But again, just like with her telling me, you know, your dad's not your dad. It was like um, there was I don't again, I don't remember any like, oh, I'm going to send you these things. And there was no discussion afterwards of like, you know, how was that for you to read those? You know, <laughs> I read them because at the time I was writing a lot of poetry. And so and I actually my senior year of college, I actually gave a poetry reading like I was serious about poetry. And so the fact that my biological father hears all these poems before I read them. <laughs> I was really excited and yeah. I was like, I'm going to find a connection with this guy because, yeah. you know, here's a real personal connection, you know, poetry, you know, if you talk about, if you talk about your emotions, right, we can connect that way. And I still hadn't seen a picture of him, right? And this is four years later, right? But, um, but I start reading the poems and pretty quickly, I do not like this guy. Oh, no. It's really disappointing because I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. I, I really find him to be somebody, he's in the poems he's somebody who's trying really hard to be smart oh. and in order to be smart he's putting other people down all the time oh no <laughs> yeah and in and the attitude like with my mom like in the letters is like you and i are the only smart people and everyone else are idiots and you know we'll take on the world together kind of attitude oh yeah we all love those guys yeah well it started to remind me of my dad my yeah right? oh yeah so i was like oh my my mom has a type <laughs> Oh, Question. Well, yeah. how old was, do you know how old your biological dad was when he was writing those to your mom? They had to have been, he had to have been in his 20s. So. I'm just wondering if you were older than him by the time you read the poem. Oh, that's an interesting like, I don't think, so. ooh, I might have been kind of the or same in age his, or close. In, yeah, same age. So I just wonder, yeah. I just wonder what that yeah. awareness of the world and the way people work would bring to reading poems by a, a fellow man in his 20s. Yeah, no, because I wrote, yeah, no, there was definitely some of that, you know, the, you know, that kind of ego that can come in there. But also, I definitely had a bias, especially when I was at that age, I had a bias against baby boomer men, probably because of my dad. Like, I felt like they were totally self-centered and, you know, dismissive. And, and so when I was reading these, I felt like, oh, he's just another one of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was disappointing. And then, yeah. And then I get to the love letters and she's, um, yeah, it's weird to read love letters to your mom. Yeah. <laughs> and especially like one of them, he's, I don't know what I can say on here, but one of them, he signs up, you know, say hi to your tits for me. That's how he ends. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. I mean, they're lovers, whatever, but mm -hmm. it's like, 
it's my mom. Yeah, it's that's kind of hard. Kind of hard to go there. Uh huh. I think it's kind of like a, that's a it's a lifelong journey learning about your parents as regular people, right? And that is um, that's a turn many people never want to take. Is no. say hi to your tits for me, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's especially your like for me, especially for my mother to think, oh, guys look at my mother in that that way, like like they see her as a physical object and. You know, especially when she was younger, probably, you know, but yeah, but that it's like, oh, oh, your mom. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. A little, uh-huh. And again, she didn't warn me that right. this was going to be in there. But yeah. then their relationship falls apart. And then there's all these letters where he is just calling her every name in the book. Like, you know, oh. every name a man calls a woman when he's mad at them. <laughs> like, wow. But, and that was really hard to read, too. Um, wow. And maybe like him even less. Of course. Yeah, because he's, you know, calling her all kinds of things. And so, and I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't know what happened in the relationship exactly. I mean, I've heard something she said, but, you know, I, 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 what ended up happening, she stayed with my my dad, my birth certificate dad, um, and didn't get, run away with my biological father. So, so I'm mean, sure he felt, I don't know, um, betrayed or something. But then at the end of this pile of things, there are two letters that he wrote later that um, he wrote once we were back, once I was born. They were little cards. And so he had kind of resolved that he was in another relationship. So I always assumed that he knew that I existed. Um, and, you know, re- I reread these things kind of recently. And he obviously didn't know. Like, I don't know what mm. I was thinking when I read this. But, but one place he says, oh, he mentions me. And he says, you know, oh, I want to meet him. I can teach him how to be a bastard. Right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Which is oh, funny. Like Hilarious. Yeah. Oh, but also... Yeah, I run, I very exactly. See, I right? thought, yeah. oh, see, he knows. Knew, That's why he, he uses the term bastard. Like in my mind, I convinced myself. <laughs> but he meant like, it's cool to be like Charles Bukowski. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that probably is what it was. Tough, yeah. Yeah, right. No, that's the right time period. Yeah, but I was thinking, no, he knows illeg- illegitimate son. <laughs> yeah. <But no. laughs> Yeah. And then, yeah. And then the last one, he says, well, he does say in the last one, like your, your son needs a father, not a stepfather. So he saw my biological father saw himself as a stepfather, which means that he didn't know, but he didn't know. Okay. And well, this gets, but at the time I didn't even register that. I just, for decades, I assumed he knew who I was and my mom led me on to believe that. So anyway, so yeah. So these big package of letters, uh, Really, and it's just emotion, kind of an emotional roller coaster, right? Reading these things, and- it's amazing. Like I'm, I, the thought of like having a time capsule, and to watch, to see all these different sides of a person, to get a like a whether she meant this to be or not, like a time capsule of of these different like facets of other people yeah. that you're a part of is amazing to think of having documentation of right like so many people would find that like invaluable it was no and they're cool and i still have them i mean it's mm-hmm. pretty yeah it, but they are hard to read also oh sure is, like i would find it fascinating and amazing because i'm not right, right. emotionally connected to these people right. <laughs> like they're just characters for me in this movie right. that i get to like imagine no, right? i mean there's a bu- i mean there's a lot there's a bunch of poems and you definitely get his voice in there and stuff and it's definitely i mean whatever early 70s young man poetry 
<laughs> yeah, and his attitudes about things. It's it's yeah, but um, but at, at the end of it, like it made me like, do I really want to meet this guy? Like I felt like he's going to be another guy like my dad. And at at that point, my relationship with my birth certificate dad was every time I would meet him, he would just say, "I'm so sorry for being a bad dad." And all our conversations would be me. Well, I didn't have to do this, but this is what I did do. It was me having to forgive him. And it was just like, but again, it was all about him and his emotions, right? And so at that time, that was, I was like, I don't want another guy in my life where that's going to be our conversation and I'm going to have to emotionally support him, right? I kind of feel like with all my parents, it's like, I have to deal with their emotions. They don't really deal with my emotions, you know? So I didn't want another person in my life like that. So I felt really mixed. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So I just felt really mixed going on in this. And then, um, you know, I wanted to find him, but I didn't want to find him. Um, anyway, that's where it was for years. That's the last kind of, well, not the last, she gave me one more thing, but that's the last thing my mom really gave me about him. She never found a picture of him or anything like that. Um, and so I went on for years, I would do online searches, right? So I had this name that he, she, he told her, so I would do searches with his name. And then sometimes I would add information like poetry, or I knew he was in linguistics. And so, I, you know, it add things to the search, but he had a really common name. And so uh, yeah, it was just, I wasn't finding anything, mm-hmm. finding anything. You know, and then when Google image search came out, I would do Google image searches and look through all the faces I'm like, which of these guys? This looks, looks like me. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing ever came up. It was just too, nothing too definitive. Another thing that happened again with my mother, right? She, and I don't know, I think this is before my daughter was born. My wife was there. She said, oh, I found these yearbooks from the school in Japan. Let's go through them. There's probably a picture of him. So we go over to my mom's house and we were living in the same town, I think at that time. And there's two yearbooks and we're looking through them, looking through them, looking through them. And we're not finding anything, not finding anything. Oh, okay. And I'm going through the second yearbook and I go to the end where the index is of all the names of the students. And there's my biological father's name. And then it says, not pictured. Oh, come on. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, it's like, why did my mom, did she not look through these before she invited me over? Like, really? Mm. It just was like, again, none of these like, oh, yeah, no, nothing. No. nothing there. And again, I don't, what was my mom's thinking <laughs> about that? And I don't really, it happened a while ago, so I don't know. Um, so eventually it hit me. And I don't know when this happened, um, but it hit me that he didn't know. Because I always had this fantasy that, you know, I was looking for him, but I thought, okay, he knows who I am. And I have an internet presence, you know, like, you know, I've worked at different mm-hmm. schools. I have my own website. Like if you wanted to find me, you could find me. Yeah. If, if yeah. You know my name. Um, so I thought like, maybe he's out. And this was kind of my wife's idea. It's like, oh, maybe he's out there lurking and he's mm-hmm. watching what you're doing and going, being proud of you from afar and that kind of thing. Right. So I had that fantasy, but eventually, I don't know what it is, but I finally realized he probably doesn't know. And so I was at my mom's house again and I just asked her point blank. I was like, did you, you know, did he know I was, you know, his son, biological son? Again, that had always been the assumption. And she got really uncomfortable. She just said, well, he just knew, right? Because he did visit, you know, after I was born. She's like, he saw you, uh, saw the resemblance, and he just knew. He just knew. I'm like, okay, did you tell him? Was there ever confirmation? Yeah, and she ran out of the room. Oh, well, too close. Too close, too real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I was just, this was kind of my first realization of how, yeah, how my mom was about this. I hadn't really considered that. Anyway, 
So I followed her because I was just like, wait, what? But, and I asked her, because like, you know, did you tell him? And she just kept repeating. He knew, he knew, he knew, he knew. And that's all she could say. So I knew he didn't know. Like there's mm -hmm. no, she wouldn't have run away if, if right. she knew for sure. She just kind of hoped he knew. Yeah. That was the story she has been telling herself, I think, or had told herself for years. Um, and I was pushing on that story and that made her really uncomfortable. Um, so she couldn't deal with that. So that was another kind of deflation. It was like, okay, not only would I have to find this guy, I'm going to have to tell him. Right. right. And I just feel like it just felt really overwhelming. Like, I don't know. I didn't know what services. I didn't know how to find him in any way. I didn't know what I could do. Um, and I also didn't like, how do you tell somebody, Hey, and I know people deal with this all the time, but you know, at that time I just had no, this is, again, this is before the big, you know, 2018 and a lot of other people talking about this. Um, I don't think anybody would know. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's completely appropriate to not know how one would approach this entirely yeah. unexpected, unfathomable, clunky situation. Yeah. And it's with the personalities involved. But I do feel like, you know, like with your podcast, there's, a, there's things out there. People are actually trying, talking about the subject, you know, right. not that we all know how to deal with it, but at least people are talking about it. And it's like on the sprinkles of the subject are are trying to to be out there and grow where at the time there was nothing yeah yeah so i i did take i did ancestry in 2013 and i didn't there was no hits but i did learn that i was definitely not native american <laughs> i'm just mm -hmm. scottish and irish pretty much that's it you know there's a little viking in there but that's about uh that's yes it happens to so many yeah so like it was like oh that was a pickup line it's like hey yeah mm -hmm. American you know especially in the early seventies I'm sure that so no um, but then okay so in 2018 this is much later so my daughter's older in high school and you know we're thinking about genetic diseases and that kind of stuff and my wife had done 23andMe and she with 23andMe you get kind of more of the data about genetic diseases and that kind of stuff it was less about genealogy more kind of about that kind of stuff that yeah. And so we wanted to know about that since we didn't know my biological father's side. So she, my wife bought my daughter and I gene tests, you know, 23andMe tests as a present. And so we both did it. And uh -huh. we knew, you know, we, I was also like hoping maybe something would come up, but we got the results back. So this is July, 2018. So again, I'm like, I don't know, what am I, am I in my 40s, whatever. Anyway, this is much later. <laughs> so we have my daughter look at her results first. Cause it's like, I've already done this with ancestry mm -hmm, and I don't mm -hmm. really expect I'm going to find anything. So she's looking through her stuff. She's like, Oh, look, I'm, I'm a lot Neanderthal. And she's getting into all that kind of stuff. Cause that's right. who she is. Right. But then she's like, wait, it says I have a close relative. I'm like, Oh, and he says, it doesn't know what it is. Maybe a cousin or something. I'm like, huh. I'm like, okay, I'll look at my results. Mm -hmm. so I go to my results and I bring it up and it says, I have an aunt. Oh, yeah. So, and it's funny, like I had thought, okay, my biological father, maybe he had kids, maybe I have half siblings and all that kind of stuff, but I hadn't really considered the family he came from. I was just thinking that, like I hadn't yeah. either. Like I was just, he was just an autonomous exactly. being that, that, that didn't even exist before you knew about him. Right. Yeah. And that's how I was thinking about him is yeah. And like, maybe he had kids, but like where he, and so the fact that he would have a sister and maybe it's partly because I'm an only child is don't think about these things, but, but um, it's like, Oh, and so this is where it actually gets good in a way, the story, <laughs> because she's on there and her contact, it says that you can send her messages. And so I sent her a message and, you know, I, her story of this is that she was up late at night. Um, Cause apparently she's a night owl, my aunt, my biological aunt. Uh, and she was 
you know, this thing came through her email and she's like, whoa. And so she ended up emailing me back, I think the next day saying, because I think in my, in my message, I said, you know, 23andMe is saying that you're my aunt and this is who I know my biological father is. And I, I'm pretty sure you have no idea I exist, right? And she's like, no, I had no idea you existed. And, you know, and she's like, I am willing, I want to talk about this and I'm willing to answer any question you have about anything. Uh, and so we started this email exchange back and forth. Everybody um, needs an aunt like that. That's so she, cool. Well, and she's a therapist, right? So she. Oh gosh, <laughs> we love her. We love this woman. Exactly. Well, she can talk about emotions, right? Like mm -hmm. that's not something I can do with my mom. So, and so she's really open and able to talk and, and talks about stuff really clearly. She's a good communicator. <laughs> so I got all this family stuff. So yeah, no, no seminal connection. That was all just him making it up. <laughs> But I learned that the name he used at the time he knew my mother, that was his stepfather's last name he was using. It wasn't actually his legal name. So my searching for him all these years with the name I had was wrong. I wasn't it's ever like going to find him. It's the wrong name. It's the wrong name. So from the get-go, yeah, I wasn't ever going to find him anyway because um, huh. of the wrong name. Because uh, his family name was different. And, she, and I knew it was her because she had the family name. And I was like, okay. And it, anyway, but it was spelled differently. Um, the other thing is, it turns out he he had died when it was like 1970, um, no, 1977. Oh so my God. He had been dead since I was four years old. The whole time. This is when I got angry. Like I had yeah. never been angry, but somehow that detail, and I did the math. I was like, okay, so I was four. I didn't learn about him until I was 17. So there was 13 years there where a secret was being kept about a dead man. And again, wow. my mom didn't know he was dead, but it just, that hit me really hard. Just, I don't know, just do it. I don't know why math and that's, but yeah. No, I, there is something like, <clears throat> I don't, I don't exactly know how to explain it either or put words to it, but there's something incredibly like, there's like a real emotional like twist yeah. when you say that, when you think about searching for him all that time. And then also age, like, you were aging with him, like as you grew and looked for him, he, you were imagining that he was growing exactly. and aging too, right? Like there's right. some connection of the kind of age you were thinking or the experiences he had. You, you, you actually lived longer than him now. Like there's you know, a I've lot lived, yeah. that it just gets like incredibly um, strange. I don't know, I like weird, yeah. weird right? Like just weird, yeah. emotional, weird. Yeah. And I just, at that time, I just felt like, why was this kept a secret? This guy was dead anyway. And I, you know, I understand that better now, but at that moment I was just like, I, I wrote in my journals, like, you know, who did the secret serve? Who did the secret like mm -hmm. over like, what the hell? Why? And I, again, I think it served, I think it served my mom's shame. I think that's what mm -hmm. the secret is about. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, or something or guilt or I don't know, you know, but at that time I was just, just angry. And so I didn't, for the longest time, I didn't tell my mom. <laughs> that I had, you know, was in contact with my biological aunt. Cause I just, I wanted to, yeah. Well, I was mm -hmm. mad and I also just wanted to learn as much as I could before I got my mom involved. Um, my aunt um, confirmed that, yeah, he never knew about me and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and then I learned about their family and, um, and all that kind of thing. And that's kind of the, the other, the more I got to know her and her family, she's got kids and like, so I have cousins. Mm -hmm. The more I uncovered that, then I got angry about that. Like, here's me who never had hardly any family 
And here's the secret denied me this access to this wonderful aunt who can talk about things and all her kids. Um, like it would have been, imagine, I just kind of was thinking like what it would have been like to grow up with somebody to talk to like that throughout my childhood, right? And it's like, that was made impossible by all this, right? Um, yeah. I think it's impossible. Yeah, I think it's impossible not not to let your imagination go there. Yeah, at least once. Right. At first, mm-hmm. it was just as the more I was hearing about my aunt, her life, and her family, it was like, yeah, and she was feeling the same way too. Actually, you know, like it would be nice to have known you from you know earlier on. And she right. had a difficult, and it, she actually confirmed she had a very difficult relationship with her brother. So my mm-hmm. biological father, he was apparently uh, a bully to her growing up, mm-hmm. and it was not nice to her. And they, so. Um, the fact that she's like, oh, you seem like a nice person. Like, oh, that's good. <laughs> like, something's good coming out of this. Like, um, You're like, have you read his poetry? It's yeah, right. <laughs> I did send her some. Like, I scanned a few of them mm-hmm. in. Because she wanted to see. So was, yeah. Know, yeah. We talked a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, anyway. And she, yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting to talk about that. Um, so, yeah. And that's, and eventually I told my mom. So yeah, so then I tell my mom like, okay, I, I, I discovered what happened. I have an aunt and my Polish grandpa, he's been dead. Like he died. And my mom's right to like, yeah, I thought he probably was dead. Yeah. And that was the end. Oh of the my thing. God. <laughs> she's like, well, I thought like he never contacted us. You know, he would have contacted us. And so the fact that he didn't, yeah, it makes sense he's dead. Okay. And so my aunt had said like, if your mom wants to talk to me, right? tell her like I'll, I'll answer any questions which I thought was a nice thing so I told my mom like yeah so there's my biological father's sister and she says if you want to if you have any questions you want to talk to her she's perfectly willing and my mom goes hmm and that was that <laughs> that was it mm-hmm. so that's like the third phase of anger is realizing okay all this stuff is out it's all on the table and you're still going to behave this way. We're still not going to talk about it, right? Like, even though it's all here, right? right. I, know, I have so much information right now, but you can't, my mom can't go there, right? It, it, I have this, like, the, it, image of her needing to stay in a box, like, yeah. keeping her brain, like, there are, like, four walls, and she's willing to walk to each wall, but she right. will not expand her imagination. Yeah, beyond those walls like this is it it's like one small box yeah and that's that's it and she can't for whatever reason whether it's self-preservation or yeah i you know again if it's shame is it fear i mean i know my dad didn't like my my birth certificate dad didn't want me to be told early on but again they divorced when i was 12 and why did Mm -hmm. they continue the secret had you been communicating with your birth certificate dad this whole time about about this journey like he knew that you knew and he yeah at a certain point again we kind of have i mean we have a relationship we don't we're not super close but yeah he knew well this is one thing that came out later is i was taught yeah because i remember talking to him he's like oh yeah i met your biological father and we hung out went drinking it's like wait what like, you all were friends like what <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. you knew him too like okay that was weird also very but progressive yeah. very progressive yeah i guess i don't know <laughs> it was a time yeah i, I mm-hmm. can tell you about some of my parents parties when i was a kid my dad's much more willing to talk about his emotions about that or, or just in general um but yeah so my mom still yeah but wouldn't right it was just she didn't want to go there and i do think also i think what she's afraid of is, is my reaction so I think I am the embodiment of her fear, really, right? Because right. 
I'm her only, I mean, she's adopted the kid now, but like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm her first baby. I think she, I get the impression she's deathly afraid of me being mad at her. Right. Hmm. And so she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to even consider that. Right. right. And that's all my emotions, right? Like that's, that means that she cannot consider my emotions because that's too threatening. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I've, that's what this story has come to be is like, Oh, I have this relationship with my mother and I, you know, I go back through my childhood. It's like, did, has she ever really asked me how I felt about anything like my entire life? Hmm. <laughs> like that, like I have this relationship with my mother that we can't, especially about this issue about my biological father, we just can't talk about how I, how did it feel to read those poems and love letters? How did it feel to learn I had an aunt? You know, what do I think about that? And we, we can't discuss that. And, uh-huh. I, and me asking her, like, how did, why did you want to keep this a secret? What were you thinking about? How did it feel when I told you about the aunt? Like, she's not going to talk about that either, right? It's so all outside it's, the box. It's all outside the box. Yeah. Or on the other side of the wall. Or Yeah. And then, but the only thing that she did is that, I don't know, it was a couple months later about after me telling her about finding the, about the 23 and me and stuff is uh, my mom gave me this book again. So all of a sudden, Oh, here it's a Salvador Dali book. Okay. With this bright gold cover. And on the inside, you know, it has an inscription from my biological father. It was given to my mom by my biological father. Right. And so it's just got a little inscription in it. It's like, Oh, here, you should have this. So that's her reaction to me telling her, I found out about him and all that, that he's dead. And I have an aunt. And it was weird. My my stepfather was there. My stepfather's like, "Wait, this book's been on our shelf the entire time we've been together. Like, now you're telling all of us this is like <laughs> this guy gave it to you." That's I, a, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, blah, what's amazing about your mother? You don't you need to explain this to you, but like, okay, what yeah, is yeah. amazing is that she does know that these are big deals. That like, right? There's like this thread deep somewhere she knows thread of knowledge that these things are important that i would want to see them or something yeah Yeah. or that his handwriting might be powerful or like there's something like she knows but refuses to know right no she'll she'll give me the book or she'll give me the poems but then there's no discussion yeah it's like so yeah no so she is thinking of me right Mm -hmm, right and, and putting herself in a situation to an extent, yeah, but she can only go so far, right? Um, and I remember, and so like what my stepbrother says, like I remember seeing that book on the shelf throughout my childhood. It's a bright gold cover, it kind of sticks out. It's like, that's been here the whole time. Yeah, so um, yeah, and she's still, I never got a picture from my mom. My, my aunt had pictures of my biological father, so I finally got pictures of him. Um, which was weird. I didn't feel like I looked like him. That was okay. Funny. I was going to say any resemblance. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, like? My wife says I look, I look, but I think I look much more like my aunt actually. Uh, and maybe it's because uh-huh. she's older too. Like my biological father didn't age past whatever, 29 or something like that. Right. Right. When he died anyway. Um, and I think I look a lot like their father. So my, my biological grandfather, grandfather. Um, which my aunt was very close to. So she's really like, when she saw me, she was like, oh, you have the family eyes, right? She was like, like, I haven't seen a man with these eyes, you know, since my brother died. Cause their Mm. their father had died early on too. He was a pilot. He died in a plane accident. But um, Mm. so she's like, I haven't seen somebody with these eyes since the seventies. Right. So, so it was really moving for her. Yeah. So for her, like all her family died a long time ago. So like discovering me was like, um, 
Oh, I mean, very emotional for her, but also just she's found it very happy, right? Like there's some connection to this. Yeah, episode. yeah, definitely for some sort of, um, you're like a, I don't want to say souvenir, that's not the word I'm looking for, <laughs> but like a token, like a token yeah. of, or something of like you, of this brother she she hasn't seen. Yeah, in a time. And I think more too with her, for their dad too. She yeah. really loved her dad and he died I can't remember exactly, but he died in this plane crash um, and just suddenly, right? So I think she's always missed her dad. And um, actually, I remember that there is a letter that my biological father wrote where he said that my aunt was, you know, that my dad died. I don't know how I feel about it because apparently my biological father didn't get along with his father. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how I feel about the death, but, you know, my aunt, you know, my sister, uh, his, my biological mm -hmm. father's sister. It's his um, sister, his own, yeah. Yeah, his sister is all messed up about this. Mm -hmm. right? So I, mm -hmm. there's, it was definitely emotional for her. Yeah. Anyway. So, but she gave me all these, she actually made me like one of those little, you know, you can make them online, like, like photo albums. She found all these childhood photos of my, and of her too, and of my biological father, and also pictures of their parents. And she's, you know, she made one and sent one to me. And so that's really cool. That is really so, cool. Yeah. She's cool. She's, she's just been open to the experience. Yeah. And so that's been the, uh, the little silver lining of the whole, mm -hmm. <laughs> the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah. And it was, yeah. And it's great, but it was funny. Like we were going to, she was going to come out here to California, um, but she was having hip surgery when, so this is like 2018, right? Late mm -hmm. summer. Um, and then she was recovering from that. It was going to take months. And then once she was done with recovery, COVID hit. Yeah. I was about to say, we know exactly what happens. Yeah, we know <laughs> the story like now. All you still have to say is like around 2018 and everyone's yeah, like, wah, yeah. Wah. Yeah. <laughs> we had plans and then, mm -hmm. yeah. So we've done Zoom calls, but we haven't actually met, because she's back on the East Coast. Right. Country, so we haven't met face to face, so. Wow. And then uh, what motivated you or what, you know, tell me, tell me what, how the, how the graphic novel came into, <laughs> graphic novella. Yeah, came, yeah, right. It's just into, some short stories. Um, came into fruition for you? Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of the, you know, I've always done kind of comic stuff and I, um, I but I mostly just do kind of uh, fictional stories or things like that. And I, but I think over the pandemic, you know, it's just a reflect, you know, you're stuck inside and I became a lot more reflective and I was thinking about, um, you know, just things from my childhood that kind of formed me. And also being a parent, like every stage my daughter's gone through like, I, I remember, like, what I was like at that stage and kind of compare and contrast kind of things. Um, you know, like, and I, things come back to me, like, oh, oh, yeah, I remember being 14. And like, oh, yeah. And so it's also being a parent kind of brought up these things. Um, and I wanted that last story in there, yeah, is the story about finding my uh, biological father and the whole thing. And so I, I sent my aunt that. The, the, the graphic novel thing. So it was kind of done for her also to let like, hmm. this is who I am. Like here's the story from my perspective, um, and so that and so she could know. Yeah, so that part of part of the. Well, impact. it's interesting because the last story is is the like literal NPE story. Yeah. That that but all of it is so much about like identity and yeah. searching. Like there's a searching and a longing that's present through through right. all all the pieces, and there's a theme of like. Um, I'd say I, I don't want to say father figures, but that's the easiest well, way. Yeah, yeah, like that's the easiest way to describe it of just like a fa fantasy. Um, 
presence of of other right. other people connecting to you and that, yeah that's part of what i was i was seeing this pattern of how yeah so it's that fantasy of seeing the guy on the motorcycle next to the car when i was a little kid mm -hmm. and i would just always imagine that and then yeah how that kind of how i've always at least in my childhood i always had some kind of fantasy of somebody out there look you know someone to watch over me like someone looking and then that looking out for me mm -hmm. and then i kind of feel like that got transferred onto my biological father that he's out right. there somewhere you know watching and then realizing no no he's been dead all this time <laughs> like, that that and how on on the one hand it's devastating right like it's it's like after these years of hope right it's like nope no not there but on the other hand it's also like okay well i can give up wondering right like there's also a kind of a, a feeling of like when I finally learned all this stuff is, you know, even though I got angry and all this stuff, I, there was this kind of relief, like there was this pressure that I didn't know was there kind of gone. Like mm -hmm. all, this, all this mental space taken up by wondering about this and worrying about this or whatever, it was just that went away. Um, and so it was, yeah. And so there was an incredible feeling of relief too. I don't know. Right, like disappointment, but freedom. Yeah. Just, yeah. And it definitely disappointment. <laughs> like it's like, mm -hmm. uh, but I, you know, hopefully, you know, but I got an aunt out of it. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's great. Well, I was just, this has just been so fun because I mean, just so fun, but uh, um, you're, I forget how this all happened, but your wife contacted me and said, I think that's how this started. She contacted me and just said like, Hey, you know, that's not, that, that's not how she started it. Your wife doesn't start with, Hey, but um, it was, you know, it was like my husband and I are learning about NPE as a, as a, as a right. phrase and, and this whole world. And my husband is an NPE and he made a graphic novel about it and I ordered it right away. So it came in the mail and, and it's just really cool. And I've been in, um, sort of dogged pursuit of getting you on here to talk oh, thank you. So, <laughs> ever since. So it's so, it's so great to get to really, to just talk with you and hear, hear, hear your story, but also get to know just a little bit more about you. Cause, yeah. um, be, because I think I was imagining you as like a kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Cause all the stories are, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like when you came on, I was like, Oh, you don't have shaggy hair. You know, like, yeah, I, like, I've cut my hair since yeah, then. Yeah. I, like I was I, really yeah. imagining you. <laughs> um looking like these these people in here so yeah that's more yeah. how i used to look yeah yeah so so no, I, I i yeah the way to deal with the earth yeah think about all that and confirm yeah really that. cool um and i and and a cool thing i just i i would hope that other other people going through all sorts of things but mpes especially could mm -hmm. you know think about other ways to express or explore the journey as a yeah. and yes writing out a, a memoir type narrative is great mm -hmm. too, but there's all yeah. these other ways to right. do How it. Do you and draw yourself or draw family yeah. members. Uh, yeah. And the way that you have like old um, school papers is yeah, yeah, yeah. wild. I have some of my old drawings. In yeah, there. old comics. And it's just, yeah. and your handwriting, it's just really cool. Um, yeah, and you. I'm really, I really love having it in the like, like my NPE library. Uh -huh. You know, it's just so great to have um, some diversity of medium. <laughs> so I just love it. So it's so great to hear your story and get to get to talk with you and find out that you're in California. <laughs> in, well, in, in Monterey. I've been to Monterey, man. What? Really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> have you been to the aquarium? Totally. Yeah, I have been to the aquarium, but not in probably 30, over 30 years. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I know, I know. It's been really nice. I know, it's really great. Yeah, yeah. Um, my grandparents lived in Salinas. Oh, yeah, okay. Not too far, yeah. So that was, but they would say Monterey. So. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the beach. Like, if you're going to the beach from Salinas, you'd end up in Monterey. Yeah. Yeah, so. Well, that's, um, that's where Steinbeck's from, Salinas. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Because they have the museum there. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm going to have Nick's graphic novella up on the website. Go to my website, everythingsrelativepodcast.com, and there's a section that says read Eve's books or find Eve's books or, you know, go to the books, something, and um, go there, and that will get you to a spreadsheet that, can, that includes all the books that I have featured on the podcast over the past few years. So, of course, I will be adding Nick's. His graphic novel is called Someone to Watch Over Me. It is a wonderful um, little piece to add to your MPE library, if you ask me. Um, and I thought it would be so wonderful if we could support him as a community. So go on over there, get it. Nothing goes to me. I just have a spreadsheet up. Uh, it all it all goes to Nick. But I just thought it, it would be important to, to support him and include him uh, in this growing genre. So one thing that's different in season five, and it was this way for last season two, but I feel like I want to talk about it again anyway, is that I no longer can produce these episodes in chronological order week by week. So I, I liked when I could give you small updates about what was happening like in my personal life and in the news and, uh, you know, what was sort of just happening all around. I liked giving our DNA discoveries like some context in the larger world, and it made me feel a little more authentically connected to you when I share about my own life. Um, but the only way that this podcast can happen anymore is if I do what's called batching episodes. And that means that I make a whole bunch at the same time and then I release them slowly. And is any of these details interesting to you? Probably not. I don't know, but I'm telling you now because the day that this season five launches, if you're listening on the day it drops, the day today is March 3rd, 2023. Except in real life, right now, for me in my basement, it's December 12th, 2022. Whoa. Uh, and I'm excited what's going on. Our family of five, we are currently working our way through not only the stomach flu, but also that winter congestion, really bad cold that is sweeping America. It's not RSV, but we've certainly got our eye on everybody's breathing. Um, so Dallas, age seven, he's asleep upstairs on the couch. Husband Kaylin is upstairs in bed. Daughter Lily also in bed. And Margot is done with the stomach flu. So I sent her to school today because I know that by tomorrow, she'll probably have Dallas's runny nose. So that's what's going on. I wonder what will what it will be like March 3rd. <laughs> Touch base with me. Um, but as of today, in December, I am the last person standing. I have chicken soup on the stove. Uh, there are probably 300 things I could or should be doing for the holidays uh, or my private practice business or just like managing regular life. But I have to say that I am so thrilled to be sitting here right now recording this episode, gearing up for another season. And as much as I say it's hard, as much as I complain about the nuts and the bolts, um, and as much as I emphasize the drain on my resources... This podcast brings me connection to a world that I would otherwise feel so isolated from. And talking with you brings me a joy and a fulfillment more than anything else in my life, especially since my DNA discovery. All that other stuff wears me out. 
but the meat of this podcast, the actual conversations that we are having, the relationships that we're forming, and the way that I feel when I laugh or cry with you, that's what keeps it going. So thank you for being here. Season five is going to run for at least 20 episodes, so I hope you'll be back for the next one. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Eve Sturgis, and this is Everything's Relative. All those nuts and bolts I mentioned earlier, there are lots of ways you can help to keep this train running. Uh, Just follow along on social media at Everything's Relative Podcast. Subscribe on Patreon for a few bucks a month, or go to my website, everythingsrelativepodcast.com, and grab a t-shirt or a pin or a journal. And please know that I appreciate you no matter what the support you offer me looks like. Okay, this was a long one. I'll stop talking now. Thanks. Bye-bye. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaylin Egan and edited by Joy Rumor. Logo designed by Ivy McNally and music is used with permission from Goodbye the Band. Eve is a licensed psychotherapist but her podcast episodes are not therapy sessions. Yeah.